Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sundays You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. I was so in love with Agnetha when she was on Eurovision, Which Top of the Pop. She's the blonde one. She's Which blonde. one's that? I don't know. Well, you need to do your research. <laughs> and my mum crochet, crocheted me. She had crochet hooks. She crocheted me a little blue skull cap. Your poor mum. She got crocheted a, me a skull, a skull cap. Quant- Mary Quant Denim or something. Now she's doing crochet. No, Mary Quant Paisley Needle Paisley cord. Needle Your poor mum. She was. I was just thought that Agnetha was so beautiful, and the blue eyeshadow. She she is beautiful. I I I can't get on board with the outfits though. I can't. The knickerbockers. Get, the the flares. I can't get on board with it. I can't. So I don't know if everyone's watching Eurovision this week. With my friend Rylan. Do you know, I haven't watched Eurovision since Tony Wogan. Terry Wogan. I've not watched it since Terry Wogan. Rylan is presenting it. Not Terry Wogan, though, is he? No. I mean, I I love Rylan. Liz! (laughs) Liz! (laughs) I love Rylan. I love him. He's he's so brilliant at, like, taking the mick out of himself, isn't he? He just doesn't take himself seriously. No, he was so nice to you. He was really supportive. He loved you. Anyway, we're going to go straight to the archive. Let's jump to it. And this archive is from 2016, when I was sent to Stockholm in Sweden to do a story about the new ABBA restaurant in Stockholm. And even though it was in Stockholm, everything was covered in snow. It was a Greek taverna. I love that. I love that. And I sent my piece in to my editor, not even complaining that I was suddenly, I went round the ABBA Museum and then I was suddenly shoved in a room with one of the men from ABBA. I couldn't tell them apart. It's like Anton Deck. I didn't know which one was which. So do a one-on-one <laughs> interview with the man from ABBA because I didn't know which one he was and no one warned me I was going to interview him. So I was going, um, oh, yes. Now, which one are you? You actually said that. 
You actually said which one are you? I didn't know which one it was. Oh my! But Lord. no one had warned me. I was doing a one-on-one interview. You should have done the, the winging it thing and pretended until he actually said it himself. Anyway, so I was quite annoyed that I didn't know I was supposed to interview a member of Abba and I wasn't prepared. I filed my copy and then I got a note back from the editor saying, make it more joyful. <laughs> so you started singing Waterloo. <laughs> so everyone, this is my piece on ABBA in Stockholm 2016 before I made it more joyful. Well, this is... <laughs> This is me. What's the term when that you make an album before it's all edited? Where you're concerned? No, when you make an album before it's all polished and everything. No, I know what you mean. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I've never made an album. Not yet. You're Some like that film, list. aren't you? The snail with shoes on. <laughs> anyway, this is the piece I found on Abba before it became more joyful. <laughs> I understand now why the Swedes drink too much and want to kill themselves. <laughs> Oh, so we staff joyful, yay. <laughs> I'm in a fake Greek taverna with a projected image of the Mediterranean and a boiling sun on one wall, a giant plastic olive tree next to a fountain, of which more later, distressed balconies adorned with acrylic bougainvillea, while outside it's minus 13 degrees. It all seems to be working quite well for me, actually. I quite like the sound of it. I have in front of me a bowl of hummus that has developed a worrying crust. Oh. And a glass of bad wine. Oh. Inches from my nose is a failed drama school type, gurning into her head mic, emitting what was once a fantastic song, but which has long since been murdered. A musician wielding a sort of banjo and far too much information in his nether regions, given the tight white spangled lycra, is inches from my ear. A woman I had thought was a waitress suddenly performs a handstand next to my table, giving me a close-up of her pants. An older woman in chef whites has seemingly abandoned her stove to deliver a resounding version of gimme, gimme, gimme. Ah, see, that's it, class act. After four hours of bowls of Greek salad being wheeled out during long, protracted silences, a disco ball is Finally lowered into the scene, tables are cleared, an acrobat emerges dripping and rather incongruously from the fountain, and to my alarm, 450 Swedes take to tabletops with gusto and start dancing to, yes, you guessed it, Dancing Queen. Da, da, da. I can't be honest, I'm loving this. Da, 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 Dancing da, Queen da, da. 70, I'm loving it, I'm up for this. But because I am not in hell, but I'm simply in the middle of Stockholm, on only the second night of a brand new extravaganza entitled Mamma Mia, the party! Exclamation mark. What's not so long? Never go to a restaurant with an exclamation mark. Uh, I'm, I'm loving this. The title of this latest spin-off, a sort of dinner dance come cut price Cirque du Soleil extravaganza, all set to the Aberbat catalogue, should have been enough to set off alarm bells. Anything with the word party in the title puts my back up. The plot, if you can call it that, of this extravaganza, the dialogue is in Swedish, but is being translated into English in preparation for taking it worldwide, is very different to the film and musical bearing the title of the 1975 hit. Mamma Mia, the party, 
involves the owner of a fictitious taverna called Nico's, his ghastly daughter, and her pursuit of a love interest. That's it. The lead role, a vaguely Meryl Streep character, is played by a tall, short-haired blonde. I quickly renamed Beryl Cheap. I literally cannot stand it, and very soon pipe up with my own rendition of Baby Can You Hear Me? S.O.S. Oh dear. The new venture was launched to great fanfare on Wednesday when the four members of probably the greatest pop group in history, apart from Aha, climbed on stage together. The image ricocheted around the world because it was the first time in 34 years that Bjorn, Benny, Agnetha and Frida had been alone together on stage. You could almost see the static crackling in the air between them, which couldn't be blamed on the nylon culottes they used to wear as they are now too old to squeeze into such bad taste. The long-awaited reunion, unlike my evening, was thankfully brief. This latest incarnation is the brainchild of Bjorn, I met him without any notice or warning, I hasten to add. Well, at least you know his name now. He got there. Before the party in the penthouse apartment atop the Abba Hotel round the corner from the venue. There is an Abba gift shop in the lobby with Abba key rings, Abba baseball caps and Abba candles, where I tried to buy the famous blue skull cap worn by Agnetha in her round-bottomed prime, but unfortunately only the balls of wool are on offer so you can knit your own. That's a no. What? That's a no. They just sold the wool. I'm going to have to resurrect my mum and make her alive and give her a crochet needle back. What happened to the original one? What happened to the one your mum's I don't think she... Th- I think the dog ate it. Oh, dear. There is also the Abbey Museum, where the band's extraordinary success and even more outlandish costumes are on show. I grew up on Abba, twisting many an ankle, given my copycat PVC platform boots, enduring many a detention due to my addiction to bright blue eyeshadow and even sleeping with a rubber band between my two front teeth in a bid to get Agnetha's gappy smile. Wow. I used to hold my finger in front of my teeth like this. Wow. But I can't help telling Bjorn, I quickly learn his name and I write it down so I don't forget him. Benny, Bjorn, Bjorn, whatever your name is that perhaps some memories should be left intact. How did he persuade the other three band members to turn up? I put the call out, he said in Swedish, but I wasn't sure if one or two would come. Getting up on stage was spontaneous. It was all Frida's idea. Did he feel choked up? Not choked, but it was emotional. It felt very natural, affectionate. What did they talk about? It was all over very quickly. It sounds like sex with my husband. Oh, <laughs> I'm literally going to do a TikTok of you with that with that voice. <laughs> I'm going to turn this into a business enterprise. The Fab Four, all hovering around the age of 70, seem to have aged very well. I don't colour my hair, Bjorn says. I started to examine his head. Bjorn, let me examine your head. Oh, dear. It's naturally this colour, but I dyed my beard to match it, he told me. <laughs> he shouldn't have told He dyes that. his beard, Bjorn. Bjorn, you've got to stop doing that. I suppose we never did the whole rock and roll thing of taking drugs. I don't think in all those years anyone offered me cocaine. We were two married couples. 
How did he feel? See, I had all these questions and I didn't even know I was going to interview him. How did he feel when he heard the news that David Bowie had died? Well, where did that come from? It's a bit incongruous, isn't it? I have no idea. I never I met him. You were desperate, weren't you? Because you weren't prepared. I never met him, he said. I was very sad, but he left a legacy. Hasn't he, though? I don't think you can call what we did a legacy. He became animated when I told him I've met Paul McCartney. What is he like? I've never met him. See, he's never met anybody. What's he doing? He's just in the bloody snow. He's setting up a restaurant, isn't he? I told him the beetle is lovely, but that he also dyes his hair. Bjorn seems to spend far too much time in Sweden. (laughs) People are used to me here. I never get bothered or stopped in the street. Both couples famously divorced, of course, hence the static, apart from all the nylon. But Bjorn denies there is any ill feeling these days. Sadly, he refused to be photographed with me downstairs in the museum. I think he thought I was mad. Well, the unprepared, calling him the wrong name, not knowing who he was, supposed to be interviewing him, could could look, you know. Anyway, I think the sight of all the costumes must hurt his eyes. I can't believe how badly we dressed, he said, that I chose to look like that. I cannot tell you how awful this new money spinner is. But worst of all is that Beyonce says the show is a Mamma Mia bubble where people can have a bloody good time. Yeah. That is all. <laughs> oh, my I think God. he's German, isn't he? He's sounding very... I'm waiting for you to say something very German in a minute. That is all well and good because an ABBA record can cheer up the most morose of listeners. It can. But he has enough money, surely. Transporting a Greek island to the middle of Stockholm is an exercise of the utmost bad taste. Even an old Greek black-clad crone is installed on a balcony overlooking proceedings, and that wasn't me. Given the migrants drowning in the waters of the real Mediterranean... Thank you for the music, Bjorn, but I think you should divert all the proceeds to the refugees. That's a, that's a award money, isn't it? Award and my money. accent. Well, your accent is second to none of there's a, <laughs> I there's what a, the hell you're doing. And the, I went with the photographer and he bought me an Abba t-shirt and I'm up on the balcony disco dancing and there are pictures of me disco dancing. You can't not dance to it. And they gave me you? that awful ouzo. It's horrible. Ouzo's disgusting. It's disgusting. Ouzo's I'm spat awful, it out. Awful, awful, awful. I don't do anything in aniseed. Or awful. Fennel, or fennel. I don't like fennel. <laughs> I don't like mushrooms. No. I don't like mushrooms, aubergines. Stacks. Anything in a stack. Golf Big for tomatoes. Give her a stack. How can you not like beef tomatoes? Chinese cat. I don't like anything. Oh, God, I bought Mosh my Chinese too. cabbage the other Mosh day too. for a stir fry. Oh, dear. Oh, my dear. That went to the chickens, didn't it? I don't like mange too. How can you not like mange too? They're horrible. They're lovely. You're doing it wrong. So we both watched the coronation, didn't we? Well, everyone must have watched the coronation. Everybody. What did you think? Well, I thought Charles looked quite miserable. I felt quite sorry for Harry. I thought Kate and Charlotte looked absolutely beautiful. And I loved the daughter of Edward and Sophie, whatever her name is. She wore a dress by Susanna. She did look lovely. She did. I absolutely was mesmerised by Camilla. 
I was because Camilla the whole time didn't stop grinning and you could literally see this thought bubble like Charles has been born to this isn't he he's been bred for this you know this is this should be obviously it's going to be nervous it's a big thing but like it's his comfort I should have been in the choir though I'm ignoring that so anyway Camilla I'm just ignoring that we'll let that one go She's just grinning like the cat that's got the cream. And you can just see this thought bubble saying to everybody that said I wouldn't be queen, to everybody that was like, nah, not happening, here I am and I'm even wearing the queen's necklace from her coronation. Here I am. She's done it. I think she was desperate for a fag. (laughs) But she's just grinning. Every time the camera went on Camilla, she was sitting there with this big grin on her face. She was having a whale of a time. She didn't look nervous. She was having a great time. And then, of course, we had the ghost, didn't we? The Grim Reaper that went went viral on Twitter. And all the theories, all the theories that it was Diana coming back to sort of like have a go because Camilla was being crowned. But it turned out it was a virgin or something, didn't it? I don't believe that. Yeah, well, I don't know. Would a virgin be going along? Dressed all in black with a, with a hood up, carrying a stick. Would but they? why is he walking around when it's all going on? It's like, shall I tell you what annoys me? Go on. You're at a concert. You've just sat down, and people start getting up, and they want to go to the loo, and they would just sit down. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think that's a bit dodgy because would he be going along with his hood up and stuff? I don't know. I don't know. I think that could have been like a bit spooky. My favourite person of the day, Princess Anne. She has got more balls than the rest of the blokes put together. Off she went, out of the cathedral, onto a horse and escorted the carriage. There was like Prince William, wasn't he, in the carriage. She was very relaxed on the horse, wasn't she? Chatting away, like with the crowds. But honestly, she is is magnificent. When I used to ride twirly, and I don't ride her anymore because I'm more enlightened, and when I did ride her, I never did anything to her, and she had the most amazing saddle, and I never touched her mouth, and I never told her off. But Princess Anne is all casual with just one arm, and she's waving and smiling. So whenever I went out riding with Nick, I'd be going, Nick, Stop pointing. Put Don't wave. Put your hands on the reins. Why is Swirly doing that? What? Who's coming? Is there a car coming? What's that bird doing? What are you doing? I'd like to put the reins around Quincy's neck and start putting my hair bungee in or something. And this would be, put your hands on the reins. But I was quite cross at the Evening Standard because they had a story saying, oh, one of the horses went rogue. He, he didn't go rogue. He backed into the audience. Terrified. And I hope they didn't tell that horse off when they got home. No, poor thing. Do you As, think they did? Uh, no, 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 no. It was obviously having a fit because something had upset him. And and the concert, we watched the concert, didn't we? I didn't really like the concert. Well, I wanted to know why Katy Perry was dressed as a Quality Street rapper. She was the toffee, wasn't she? Because you get a nice gold Quality Street rapper. The guy, the, in the, the guy, Alexis, in The Guardian, who's married to Catelyn, Caitlin, whatever her name is, I don't know. He got into lots of trouble because he said it was a lot of D-listers and everyone attacked him. You can't call Lionel Richie a D-lister. You can't. But he's not top of my wish list of people I want to listen to. No, but you know who I've got? Tom Cruise, baby. Tom Cruise, baby. Everyone else was sitting in their chairs, Tom Jones and blah, blah, all sitting in their chairs, sending their bed wishes. And what did I get? My man. My man does a flyby. He does his little salute. He does his 
Congratulations, any nosedives out of the picture. My man won the whole thing. The whole thing was about Tom Cruise. Maybe it was him who frightened the horses. He was my man. I love the fact that someone lip read. I could be employed as a lip reader, actually, because I haven't got much work at the moment. I could lip read what Charles was saying as he was waiting in the coach. Why is no one ever on time? Oh, God. And apparently it's because Kate and William were having an argument and they were late and they sped in. She did have a face on her, didn't she? I mean, beautiful as that face is, it wasn't a happy face. Do we know what they were arguing about? I think the child was naughty. Details, details. I think the child was naughty. Charlotte's beautiful, though, isn't she? Who? Her daughter. Charlotte, yeah. She looks like she could be quite a madam. Well, I like that, though. I think you need a bit of spirit in that family. I think you need to stick up for yourself. Well, talking of families, in the newspapers this week, this is the peg... It was announced Christo Carman, the 42-year-old billionaire chief executive of tech company Wise, will be the first man in charge of a large UK-listed company to take three months paternal leave from September. And all the pieces in the newspapers were saying this was a good thing. Well, you don't I'm sorry, if you're running a big leave. company, you should be at work. <laughs> you don't care if it's male or female. Get to work. Go to work. Christo. Oh, God. Um, so I'm going to talk about a piece in the Times today um, by Harriet, who's the fashion editor, and she quotes Catelyn or Caitlin, whatever her name is, Miranda the Times. So Caitlin wrote in 2017, if a woman wants children, her life is only as good as the man she marries. In 2012, the writer Gabby Hinsliff posted, pos- posited in her book, Half a Wife, that dual-income couples needed to divide between them the jobs traditionally done by stay-at-home wives and the time they take to stay happily married. So Harriet writes, I know breadwinning mothers who do pat lunches, bank chats, laundry and birthday presents because it's easier than having to explain it all as though their life partner is some kind of intern in the family business. So Harriet and her husband, she says that they both work nine-day fortnights. She works a nine-day fortnight. Right. So that means she has every other Wednesday off. Right. So we can have every other Wednesday with our children. Our children call me daddy more often than they call him mummy. No doubt there are some will assume I forced him into all this and he is miserable. So she's talking in the Times today about sharing stuff with the husband. He's very good. So she calls him, instead of her husband, he's her husband. So he does stuff. Well, we'd all like one of those, wouldn't we? Why does it have to be applauded and written about and unusual that men actually do stuff? Because it's so bloody unusual. I mean, it should be normal, but it's not, is it? But I'm also going to talk about um, the female extracted Lorraine Candy's new book in in the paper this week. And she's talking about living with teenage girls. And she says, Your teenager begins to view you as the biggest nitwit anyone could meet. The person you love most in the world is occasionally so repulsed by you that she can't bear the sound of you breathing. The phrase, Mum, is what is wrong with you, is tapped onto the end of every sentence. Lorraine continues, If I discovered the cure for cancer, my teenage daughter would look at me with mingled fury and disbelief and answer, What's wrong with you? 
as if I'd done something so inexplicably bad I should be hanging my head in shame. It sometimes feels like living with the worst boyfriend you ever have, but with whom you are still crazy in love. So I've got two things to say about Harriet. She has she works every other Wednesday. <laughs> Honestly. First of all, if you didn't want children and everything that goes with them, why did you have them if you're going to yeah. complain about them? And B, when she's talking about teenage girls, I never, ever spoke to my mum like that, ever. It wouldn't have crossed my mind to disrespect my mum. I respected her. She didn't have a career. Lorraine's had this amazing career. I remember she got the editor of Elle over me. They said I was too high straight. Thank you. My mum didn't have a job. She occasionally worked as a dinner lady because she was worried about me getting run over. But I still respected her and I was never rude to her. And I would never have said, what's wrong with you and not talk to her. And I just think that these women want everything. They want the amazing career and the children. If you've got children, you're lucky. If you've got a husband that speaks to you and isn't watching porn upstairs, you're lucky. And if your children are healthy, you're lucky. And if you're bringing up teenage girls who are rude to you, that's your failing. They shouldn't speak to you like that. I never spoke to my no, mum like that. I wouldn't have. I mean, if I was rude to my mum, believe me, I'd have been told. But what what annoys me about Lorraine is that she doesn't address. Well, I haven't read the book because obviously PRs never send me books because I'm nothing. I've only read what was in the Daily Mail. She should have addressed. Actually, I spent my life on fashion magazines promoting thin women. Do my girls have an eating disorder? Have I put that into their heads? Have I been responsible in my career when I'm bringing up teenage girls? Because I was at the portrait gallery and she was on stage and I was challenging her about airbrushing and she was on stage and she said, no, Girls know it's a fantasy. My readers of Elle know it's a fantasy. They know we airbrush. And I said, listen, mate, I work in the industry. I didn't know you airbrushed that cover. Mm. It's deceit. So, you know, if you want to have children, don't complain about them. Do I ever complain about my dogs? Do I get puppy benefit for my dogs? No. No. If I have to leave my dogs, I don't get a day off work. I employ you to look after them. And I think I I don't agree with that. I mean, I think... If you've got kids, if you've got a husband, you're lucky because there's plenty of us that haven't. I'm 52. I haven't got a husband. I haven't got children. This wasn't the way I planned my life to be. No, you're you are, lucky. You are lucky. Please appreciate it. You know, please just step for a minute and think there are people that would love to have that. And I do believe that if you have children, they're your responsibility. I, you know, I, I haven't had children for many reasons, not having the right partner, not being in the right place. But one of them was because I wasn't in the right financial place. And if I had children, I would want to care for them properly. Yeah, there was another news piece in the Times earlier this week that says couples are deciding not to have children because they can't afford them. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. And that's one reason why I haven't. Of course. But if you bring up rude teenage girls who are rude to you, you brought them up wrong. I was never have disrespected my mum. I would never have talked to her like that. But all these middle class mums who live in North London and Cornwall and they've got several houses, they're moaning about their life. But you wanted that life. You chose that life. I don't ask people to give me a day off because I've got dogs. 
I worked on the day my mum died. I worked. You did, yeah. I I had a day off my dad and then I went back into the office. I mean, you just, you just got nine days a week. Nine days. She works every other Wednesday. It's good if you can get it. It's great if you can get it. You can read this week's diary in full on Mail on Sunday's You Magazine. Do you want to hear this week's column? Let's do it. In which I try to arrange a getaway. Ready? Ready. Of course, I invited David 1.0 for a week in Sicily. I've been in love with him for exactly 40 years this summer. I couldn't imagine meeting David too again, what with his Ferrari and badminton habit. Apparently, he's now taking flying lessons, doubtless to impress me. I don't have the energy to break in a new man or be on top, which is what they always want you to do once they crawl past 60. I don't want to be on top. Well, it's sheer laziness, isn't it? It's sheer laziness on their part. But you're never at a good angle, are you, when you're on top? They get all the bad angles. Oh, <laughs> it's all right for you. You're slim. It's not so good. No, but I still don't have a very good angle seen from below. Okay. I've seen myself on Zoom. Okay, but picture the ro- the waves rolling in the sea. It's not a good look. So I texted David 1.0. Do you want to go to Sicily for a week in June, all expenses paid, with me, not on your own, obviously? He replies almost instantaneously. That sounds like fun. Never been, have you? Do you know where you want to stay? I bet it is, considering it was all expensive paid. Me? Well, it's to visit someone who lives there. I know his girlfriend. It will be a gang of us. I think there will be a yacht, although I get seasick. I was once on a £3 million yacht to watch the Grand Prix in Monaco, and I complained... Who's the man who runs a yacht? The captain? I suppose so. I I complained to the captain that the water kept lapping... And the cars were noisy. I was so bitter and twisted about that. She's gone off to Monte Carlo watching the Grand Prix, which I love, on a yacht. And I love boats and the water. And and she's whinging. Yeah, but do you know who I sat next to on the boat? Go on. This beautiful young woman who was going out with somebody. And I said, what do you do? And it was Jennifer Lawrence. You're not doing well, are you? What about Abba man? I said, what do and you Jennifer do? No. She, and she said, oh, well, I'm an actress. And it was Jennifer Lawrence. I'm sure it was very refreshing for her not to be recognised. Anyway, I texted David and I said, I just have to organise the flights. This holiday is going so well, it's all so easy. Then he texts back, just to remind you, I can't walk fast or far. I don't want to embarrass you. Me, I'll put you on casters. Him. I will need an assistance buggy to get me to the departure gate. If you let me know the flight numbers, I'll book one. I've always wanted to drive on one. You could have a lot of fun, couldn't you, in one of them buggies around the airport? But it's not. this isn't my dream date, is it? It's not your dream date. It's going very badly. Oh, dear. I find it interesting that men are very upfront about their failings, as unashamed as a naked newborn. Whereas a woman would be, oh, my God, I can't go on holidays. You won't fancy me. I'll be too embarrassed. Ah! I remind David one of when we were in an actual golf buggy, the only time I've been in one. I've been sent at the very last minute to cover Donald Trump's arrival to open his new resort in Scotland. 
Me and David had to abandon our takeaway curry. I never did claim it on expenses. And drive through the night with him at the wheel all the way to Scotland. On arrival, we found no one in the office had bothered to arrange accreditation. We were faced with a heavily armed security contingent who kept whispering into their sleeves. Just Google me, I told the Secret Service guy. And he did. He said I could go inside. But who's... What you've always wanted to say, isn't it? Just Google me. But who's this guy, he said, (laughs) jabbing his thumb at David. He's the photographer, I lied. Well, where's his camera? And David, quick as a flash, said, it's in my pocket. They waved us through and we were able to stand inches away from the man who was about to become the most powerful in the Western world. I bring up this anecdote and David replies, we had great fun. There's a reason his hotel, Turnbury, was built from granite as the new extension was starting to weather. I'm slightly reminded of Cliff Clavin in Cheers. Yeah, sometime in band camp. Not good. You see, you invite a man on holidays, you don't want to get couples envy. I get room envy as well. If someone's got a better room than me, I'm like really angry. You get room envy, house envy, couples envy, couples envy, yeah, lots of envy. Anyway, you invite a man because you don't want to be treated like a maiden aunt, given a single bed in a breeze block annex. I don't do annexes. No. 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 And you do so thinking you'll be entertained and he will carry your case and sort things when the reality doesn't measure up. Of course I've got sympathy, but I can't be in charge. It's meant to be a holiday. Do you have sympathy? Yeah. Do you? No. Tell the truth. (laughs) I don't know why, when I'm supposedly doing something nice, I must smooth the way as though in a frantic game of curling. I've been worrying having sleepless nights about David, number one, seeing me at the airport as I look quite different. Something disastrous has happened, which I've been legally compelled to keep quiet about, but not for much longer. I've turned down so much work that someone in the Times commented I seem to have disappeared. But I suppose up against David in an assistance vehicle, I'm suddenly Florence Pugh. (laughs) In the end, it seems, I might not go. Then life will have stopped, and what will I write about? Florence Pugh. I am the equivalent of Florence Pugh compared (laughs) to David. You are, poor David. In an assistance vehicle. (laughs) Poor David. I almost have sympathy for him. (laughs) Harsh, 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 harsh. Oh, dear. And what are you moaning about this week? Oh, I don't know. Why are people still mowing their lawns? We've only just started. But why are they doing it? Because the grass is growing. No, because you're supposed to have wildflower meadows. That's what Monty said. Oh, I see. Oh, I wish I was married to Monty Don. He'd just be out in the garden. You'd never have to see him. He'd have all fresh fruit He'd bring you broad beans. But then who would cook them? You need Marcus Waring... In the kitchen. Oh, I love Why am I not married to Marcus Waring? And to be serenaded at night by... Why am I not married to Marcus Waring? 
why would you want to be? But serenaded at night by Morton Harkett. Morton Harkett? So really, you need one for Monday, one for Tuesday, one for Thursday. I should be married to Morton Harkett or Marcus Waring, but I get mobility scooter person, and I'm Florence Pugh. Yeah, well, yeah. Every week, lots of you get in touch, telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. Okay, moving swiftly on. <laughs> Would you like to know what our readers are saying? Go on now. Okay. Now, you had a bit of sympathy. You had a bit of a breakdown last week, I had didn't a complete you? nervous breakdown you last did. week. So, we had a little bit of sympathy. So, Lisa said, poor Liz, listening to her cry on the podcast is so, so sad. And she's sending you a hug and a supportive handhold from the USA. See, we've got listeners all over the globe. Everywhere. So, yeah. And we also have someone from Canada. I haven't got a name here. That says, oh, my darling Liz, I won't offer useless platitudes. I heard the pain and bewilderment in your voice and my heart aches for you. What can I say? Your wealth lives in your beautiful rescue horses, your dogs, all the creatures that have basked in your love, many after a life of abuse and neglect. Your wealth lives in the heart of every one of us who have learned from you, laughed with you and cried with you. If anyone deserves a wondrous, miraculous windfall, it is you. You are a once-in-a-generation writer. Nothing I can say can make life easier, but please permit me to remind you of how much you have given everything you have to save those furry angels. Hang in there. I'm rooting for you always. Well, I'm going to put you are a a once-in-a-generation writer as my signature sign-off on my emails. Once-in-a-generation writer. Did you write that yourself? No, because the other week that woman, that author called me legendary and she said once-in-a-generation, so that's going on my email. That's possibly the nicest letter you've ever received. Yes. It is. From Canada. Are you sure you didn't write it yourself? No. Okay. Right, okay. Don't be mean, Nicola. I'm not. I'm being funny. Go and work for Dr Chatterjee. You'd soon say that to me if it was the other way round. You'd soon say that. Go and work for Dr Chatterjee or Bryony sucking up to Harry Gordon. I forgot they won't pay me enough. Bryony sucking up to Harry Gordon. You're not a journalist. We also have another letter which made me laugh, and they didn't mean to make me laugh because it's a lovely letter. But she said, Thank you, Liz, for your wonderful Sunday column. I look forward to it every week. You make me laugh with your love of dogs and horses and countryside and financial problems. Have a wonderful holiday in Sicily. <laughs> She's not on the Christmas card, Liz. I don't think she meant that. <laughs> Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday. But for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.